Well, I think you always start with the, uh, the need. You know, the short version is with, and it's always women. They're smarter than us, they're better than us. That's why scripture wisdom is always feminine. And it was a lady doctor, Dr. Audrey Evans, a world-class oncologist. And uh, she said, do you know what happens when uh, I tell a family their child has leukemia? And uh, she said, they don't hear one word I say. I just ruined their family. The sick child gets all the emphasis. The husbands leave, 75% divorce rate. She said, uh, and people don't know what to do. And she actually wanted to buy a YMCA. But being an Irish and Catholic, I said, no, you need a house. This is Philadelphia. We're a neighborhood society. My mother got sick. Somebody else made the chicken soup, didn't sing how great I are. We were poor but rich. You need a house. And then she said, well, uh, get us a house. Now you go back to the rosaries. And, and then I wish I hadn't said that. And I called a brother, a bondsman. I called a guy named Don Tuckerman. I said, what's your next promotion? He said, Mary, St. Patrick's Day, Shamrock Shakes. As an Irish guy, calls Jewish guy, green milkshakes, green money. We have one good player. I said, if he did a commercial, could we get this house? He always had to talk to the Italian guys. So Ed Renzi, he later became President Donald's. So it was FedEx Lord. He called me back and he said, uh, Jim Murray, uh, this house you want to build. If we give you all the money from the Shamrock Shakes, can we call it the Ronald McDonald House? Uh, he taught me at Villanova. I said, you give me all the money and call it the Hamburger House. I don't care what you do. <laughs> I didn't realize God's hand was in that. But the short version is, there are so many good people in the world. And there was such a need. And you did not have to explain house or home. It's all the things Katie's talking about with poverty. You're taking the lowest level of poverty if one of your kids gets a death notice, or in those days it was, diagnosis. Candace knows that. She's, she's in that field. So with a lot of prayer and a lot of good people, and then the power to use a huge marketing company like Mickey D's and a sports team gave you instant communication, instant way of getting the message out. So uh, it, it was, was I attacked for it? Yeah. I mean, we had a bad football team. It's a sorrowful mystery, so we'll win a couple games a year, you know? But Leonard Toes, who was a real different guy, one of the first Jewish guys to go to Notre Dame. And he had a big, a lot of addictions. Number one was generosity. And Ray Kroc, the guy who founded McDonald's when he was 54, give something back to the community. Don't just be a taker. All the things Art Mahan and the monks and every teacher I had there. So actually the planets lined up really great. But you still can't underestimate. And if there's a need, and why arts and science? You know, I'm in wonderment. I'm sitting here and I'm not just being Irish to say with these three people. And, and you say, you know what? Your dreams are possible. You know, if you really have a need, you give it to God and have some trust. And then you get more good people involved. I mean, I never get used to it. I mean, I think the assets of McDonald's charities now is over two billion. Now, you know, you can do the economics, you can do Newsweek's made the business school, whatever it is. Uh, you can't put limits on prayer. And, uh, and people's goodness. And unfortunately or fortunately, I've been in the media business all my life. News is defined as negative or bad. And, you know, if there's good news, you know, I see it every day. I, I am blessed. So, uh, and I'm still learning. I'm still, when you talk about master's degrees, when you're going to get in this field, as I said, it's a limited field. It's grown exponentially. Sports marketing, sports communication. 
I've told every kid that comes to see me, because I will see everybody, because nobody would see me. And I tell them to get their masters. I said, go get your masters. And, uh, you know, so we're working for the big master, but get your masters. <laughs> Say your prayers and get more educated. Once again, because it's almost over-covered, now I've lived my whole life in sports. And I have all the bad one-liners that just because I'm shaped like a football, I don't think the world is there at all. But when I sit next to a beautiful woman named James, I immediately think of Larry James, who was here when I was a sports information guy. And I think of a guy like Jumbo Elliott, who taught this guy and was one of the great teachers. Those track kids all realized their full potential, as you say, not just how. Kids who weren't any good came here because the program was so excellent. I remember Larry James winning the fifth relay at the Penn Relays, sitting next to Jumbo. And Larry James later went on and became the athletic director at Stockton University. And I could go on and on and on. The picture outside my office was Ron Delaney kneeling in prayer at the 1500 meters gold medal in, in Melbourne, Australia, and really dominating sports in his country. But I agree with you the steroids, the things that, I've been blessed with every kind of sports story. I mean, I used to negotiate the contracts. The agents would all start the same way. Jimmy, it's not the money. And I would say that it's the cash. That's even before Jerry Maguire. I mean, the exponential growth of, of salaries in sports. You know, it, it's an amazing thing. And, and especially if you look at how out of kilter society is right now. People wanting to get a job, like Katie said. Just want to get a job. The World Bank. So I think you can find anything you want in sports, the good stories. It's a beautiful lady who's, on, I know if she's still on the board here, we made her the, like the first woman sports information director, Rosa Caddy. She worked for ESPN. She was one of the first employees of, of ESPN. I remember she went from here to Brown and she called me. She said, there's this new cable company, Getty owns it. It's called ESPN. What should I do? I said, well, if you play Monopoly, do not stop it, go, go let through to New York. And now she is, but they have a series 30-30, a depthful sports series. So you're right. I'm the worst person to ask about physical health, as I said. You know, but I also am a man who's seen people's lives change forever uh, with sports. And you can see it, whether it's the Chilean miner who just finished the marathon right. in New York. Right. There's no story like that. It's probably one of the great stories ever to me that the technology could actually bring us to the pit of that place, watch the diversity of all the world work together, whether it was World Bank, whether it was, I love Drexel, I'm a big Drexel guy, because they had a co-op program. I think the ultimate master's or PhD 
is living it. And when you look at all the good things in our society it took to get those men out of that place, but if you don't dwell on it, you know, it's what you do afterwards, what you think about. So your questions, I don't think there's a small answer. The worst part of the steroids thing was lying. You know, taking steroids, you know, there's all kinds of guys trying to get an edge. I'm crushed. I love Lance Armstrong. I love Lance Armstrong for what he's done in cancer research. And you, you, you know, to me, it's like, I'll end with two quotes. Uh, in John's Gospel, it says, the truth shall set you free. And not so saintly Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. I mean, just tell, <laughs> tell people the truth. Well, they can handle it or they can't. Just tell them the truth. And then, you know, the truth is, I, I'm worried about my grandson playing sports with the concussions and all that. I was in the Eagles locker room giving a talk Saturday night. The concussion sign was the biggest thing in the, in the room, and, you know, for the guys. In the room. So where is it going? But you know what? They're good stories. You know, feel the dreams. Somebody, 10 people told me to see Secretary at the Disney story. We had a kid named Vince Papali, St. Joe's. I'll even say the name out loud. <laughs> you know, never played football. But, you know, movie Invincible. So a lot of great sports stories. And uh, made me cry just seeing her last name here because Larry James uh, was one of the superstars, not just as a runner, but as a person. Long answer, short question, sorry. Ed? For doctoral candidate uh, Robertson James, uh, I tend to miss the first half of the <laughs> presentations. Uh, could, could I ask you, as sort of transporting yourself back to biology major and looking, uh, you, you, you graduated a little bit before Katie, but you could imagine yourself with this, and, and you were a hippie. Uh, had all the clothes, but as a biology major, do you see or did you see yourself as a part of liberal arts and sciences? I think I did as a biology major. I definitely, um, you know, was interested. I knew at that point in time that I was interested in health, and of course, coming, you know, growing up saying you're interested in health, most people say, oh, you know, you want to be a doctor or a nurse, and so I, I tended to get that. And I was interested in health, I was very interested in sciences, and that was one thing I felt very comfortable in, but I just didn't, I wasn't sold on the idea that I wanted to be a, you know, a medical doctor. And I knew that I was interested in helping people and the health field and science, um, I was excited about, but there was also this other side of it. There was the, the people part of it, um, the humanities, the human condition part of it, and how to put that together. Now I didn't learn until later that there was a whole field and public health was you know where I landed and you know at that time I didn't know of you know public health as a field but I think the arts and sciences that really helped me to marry the two in undergraduate and then to later on to go on to find the field and then, you know to get the master's in public health and now pursuing my doctorate in that and I loved you know working in that area. Yeah, and now that we're moving within undergraduate to a new curriculum where you would have more options. And uh, do you think you would be pretty much similarly disposed to do the liberal arts courses when you don't got to? That's an interesting question. I think on some level, definitely, um, definitely, I think all of the, the options and diversity of courses, they were all, you know, were always very uh, appealing. 
I think the thing that I definitely encourage students is as far as really um, understanding. I remember uh, being undergraduate in all the writing intensive courses and you know thinking about them. And I definitely encourage people all the time to, to really do them. I think you you know you, you never know how you're going to use things in life, but um, I'm definitely very very appreciative of those courses. So I think you know definitely definitely the diversity of courses always appealing. I think having courses where, where students really need to, to hone in on those skills are, are very beneficial and helping them to understand why those skills are important no matter what field or area you're gonna you're gonna land in. Thank you. George. You know, I'm always amazed about the Villanova, uh, the power of the Villanova connection. And there's been many times in my life that I've felt that power. And I'm, I'm wondering as panelists, when, when were specific moments where you felt that Villanova alliance or connection that either made you a better person or furthered your career? So the whole panel. Well, I'd go back to the A's. I see Father Fitzgerald's come here. And the Augustinians have uh, been the relay team of my life. And uh, some of the great Augustinians, I think. One of my most incredible moments in sports was going to Father Peter's installation. And here were all the pomp and circumstance, the beautiful, the robes, the, the other presidents of all the other universities. And at the moment in the graduation when he came off the stage, his mom was there and he knelt down. And, and I think that's where we see Villanova, is our roots. My parents didn't go to college. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes as we try to better, 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 that we have to go back to the simplistic truth of what the three things on the logo say of being one. I just think uh, I, I've had many Villanova connections. You want some specifics in the diversity of living in California, living in the South, living in sports. But it's not just sports connections. It's people you meet along the way who are, uh, hey, I went there too. And you're immediately friends. Gary has it every day in his life. I, I think you're letting something go by if you find out somebody went to Villanova Probably the toughest thing for me, because I'm 60 class, and that was 50 years ago when, when we came here. And the toughest part of that whole weekend for me was a list of all the guys who've gone home. And one of my buddies was in the CIA, he was a great guy, and I did the Irish thing, I procrastinated about seeing him in Michigan, and I couldn't believe he was on that list. The guy who's the president of my class has a bench out there. His name's Ray Rafferty, he's a lawyer really one of my best friends. There's a great, great quote uh, from St. John Newman on it. It says, there's nothing that's going to happen today that you and I can't handle together. And if you meet another Villanova, there's nothing you can do that you can't handle together because he went to the school no matter how many degrees he had or what, how, how far he went there. So. Um, I have a perspective on this. I have two Villanova moments. One happened 45 years ago, and that was the special bond that developed between me and my thesis director. 
he had come the same year as I had. And this program at the time was quite young. It was, I think uh, I was in the second class uh, for the Master's of Science degree. And um, so he didn't have a lot of thesis students. Uh, in fact, I think I was his only one. So I had access to him all the time. And that just doesn't happen in very many places. Um, and the second Villanova moment happened about two hours ago when another one of my professors from 45 years ago came to my talk with a folder. And in the folder, he had my final exam <laughs> in perception from 45 years ago. And I, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I had it, actually, I got it. I, it'll take me a year to read it. <laughs> I'm afraid of what I wrote. <laughs> but th those are the kinds of things that, that, that I don't think happen very many places. And uh, that's what makes Villanova, continues to make Villanova special for me. When I first left Villanova, I uh, taught middle school um, for a few years in Philadelphia. And I taught at a school um, that I guess would be considered an underserved school. And it was sort of, an, the school was an experiment basically to try to provide a, a private um, education of sorts to um, a group of kids that were from the local projects and the local area. And so um, a lot of what I brought as a science teacher there, um, they didn't have a lot of resources. And so, you know, basically you had what you, what you brought with you. And so um, I was, of course, a very uh, zealous, um, <laughs> teacher right out of school, and I'm going to change the world, and I'm going to do all this with, this with the students, and you know, quickly learning what I could do, and um, really taking a lot on, and I had the opportunity to start a lot of programs there, um, and really, you know, to come back to Villanova and to see what could be done, and you know, I remember um, the biology department, you know, donated microscopes, and just, you know, did a phenomenal amount of things, and helped me to really build the program there and give the students um, an experience that they had never had before, give the school an experience that they had never had before. And ultimately, to help believe that these children, you know, they could learn and they could excel and they could be exposed to things. And I remember even bringing them here <laughs> to uh, Villanova so that they could get out and they could, you know, step foot on a college campus and know that that was possible for them and that, you know, that was what I wanted to, to have, I wanted them to have that in their um, vision to know that, you know, that's where we were going and that this was really possible. And, well, I know what, you know, this is always, you know, I always remember that, you know, and I see some of the students, I run into them now, and, you know, they're in college now, and, you know, it's, it's awesome just to know, and they remember parents I run into, and they still remember, you know, that experience and that excitement that their students had for, for learning. Wow. Um, I'm a Villanova very long, um, but probably would echo a lot of what everybody's saying, particularly Jim. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know too much um, if I've had very many wow moments yet. Mostly because um, actually everywhere I go, there's someone from Villanova, so it's never anything that's terribly startling to me. Um, even when I was studying abroad uh, or studying um, for my master's, I did that in London. The same year that I was there was a kid named Bruce O'Neill, who I had sociology class with three years ago, and he was one of my friends. 
Jane was like passing through town and I'd have lunch with her. Uh, come back and I'm living in DC and actually he just stepped out, but there's a U2 concert and I'm like, oh, get a phone call from Tom Logan. He's at the U2 concert too, here we go. We're gonna see U2 together. Um, and that's happened and I've lived not in too many places, but um, enough places that it's just so normal for me to be around Villanova and so strange that it's normal. <laughs> um, I'm living in DC now and I'm just blown away. I was saying to Marie, I wouldn't have had to make new friends. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have needed to. Wouldn't have needed to be social with coworkers or meet my neighbors. There are so many Villanova people there. So I guess I haven't had that wow moment yet because I'm still around so many Villanovans. Okay, well, we are going to have a reception up in the President's Lounge, Bob, is that right? Uh, I think actually Oh, it's back there? Okay, fine. We invite all of you to enjoy the refreshments outside the cinema. As I mentioned in the beginning, we have our medallion dinner tomorrow night, at which time these four wonderful people will be presented with the college's alumni medallion, and will add their name their name to the list of many, many notable people. And so I think you can appreciate just from their comments and their stories how wonderful they are as far as representing our university. And if we can continue to do this each and every year, I think that our college can always be proud of the efforts they put forth to educate these wonderful people. And I think the other, oh, one more thing. <laughs> I think their lives also speak to our faculty who have been the people, so to speak, on the ground with them every day. And I'm sure all of you realize that nothing gets done at any university, no university in the world, without the faculty. Never happens. And so their lives are a testimony to our wonderful faculty, and we need to keep that in mind as well. So.